I am Elle Penelope, author of Epic Fantasy and Paranormal Romance, and welcome to My Imaginary Friends, a look behind the scenes of an author mapping the worlds in my head and making them a reality. Hello, friends. Today is Saturday, March 27th, 2021, and this is episode 113 of My Imaginary Friends. I'm Leslie. This week's best thing is writer community. So I had the opportunity to... um, I had two different online events this past week, uh, over the course of the last seven days, I guess, with people that I used to get to see in real life sometimes. Um, We did a romance authors panel with the Baltimore County Library, with some Maryland romance writers people who I used to see every month at the meetings. And then I did um, a book club event with Angelina M. Lopez, who used to live in the area and moved to Texas during the pandemic. And so I and actually, I didn't get to see her all that much when we lived close together. But well, I also got to see my mastermind group in person. It was really nice to be able to see people in person. Um, in Maryland, I'm not eligible for the vaccine until the end of April. And uh, so it's kind of bittersweet seeing people all over being like, oh, I got vaccinated. I'm like, I, I'm willing to get vaccinated. It's just that it's not possible for me to do it right now. So... Um, but getting that kind of glimpse of what uh, a normal existence will be like, hopefully sometime soon, was really nice. And also, talking to people that I used to see pretty regularly was also really nice. And I, you know, doing these online events is exhausting. And I really am starting to limit the ones that I say yes to, because as much as it is easier you know, you can reach more people all around the world. Obviously, all the benefits of online meetings and events and conferences. I just, I think I shared on my um, Tumblr and on the footnotes newsletter, the, another article about why we're zoomed out and um, the sort of the, the disconnect psychologically of, of all the Zoom meetings. And I, I know that I don't have it as bad as many people because even though for work, I do Zoom meetings, but it's, you know, maybe one a week, maybe one or two, not like some people are on all day and I can't imagine. So anyway, um, yeah, that sort of glimpse of what a post-pandemic life will be, I hope. Um, I was talking to somebody about masks and, oh, at the gym, the climbing gym, because it got hot yesterday when I was climbing. And so it was in the 80s here on Friday and the climbing gym is this big you know, warehouse, and it takes a long time to cool it down. So I think they might have been running the air conditioner, but it was so hot in there. And climbing or doing any sort of physical activity in the heat with your mask on makes it worse. Like I've gotten used to doing all my exercising with the mask on, and I finally found a great mask that doesn't fog my glasses, that fits my face. Um, it's called Benny. I don't know. I'm not like an affiliate or anything, but I bought five of them. And they're not cheap, but they they work you know, I spent a year like testing out all these different masks for the one that I could wear while I was exercising with my glasses that fit right, fit on my nose and mouth. I have sort of a, a big head and small ears. So like, you know, there's a lot of things going on with mask fitting. Anyway, I'll link to it if anyone cares. Uh, yes. So what was I talking about? Masks and, oh, what life would be like after maskless and you know, I'm looking forward to it, but I'm also like, when am I actually going to feel like 100% confident to walk outside or walk in a building without a mask on? Sometimes I envy the uh, the, the non-maskers for their 
blatant disregard for their own health and everyone else's health, you know? Like, must be nice to be that uh, cavalier. <laughs> anyway, writing update. Um, I found myself in an interesting position this week. So we celebrated the finishing of my draft last week, and I did. I, I went into a new project. Um, I worked on the synopsis for the new project, and I had to send it off to for feedback and for you know buy-in from the other people involved in that project. And I sort of had forgotten about that step. So I had planned to be just doing the first draft now, but it was like, oh, I think when I sent in the synopsis and it was sent on to other people, I'm like, oh, okay, other people are going to have to you know, sign off on this first. So that put me in a place where I don't have anything to write. <laughs> like I'm, I'm taking conscious time off from the heist project so I can get a little bit of time away from it and then go back into a revision. And I still need a few more weeks away from it. I don't want to start a first draft when there might be potential big changes to the synopsis. Um, I'm doing research still because there's ongoing research that needs to be done for the new project, which takes place in the 1830s. And I've been doing research, but like, because I am high input, which is one of those personality things. Um, yeah, I just, there could never be enough, honestly. I'm trying to limit myself, but I want to be writing. Like research isn't writing. I, I do think it's vitally important. And sometimes you just need to do the research, but my time opened up unexpectedly this week. And I still go to the eight o'clock writing session in the morning online with uh, Inez. And she was like, what are you going to work on? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I had these articles to write. So my column for Galaxy's Edge magazine, I had some columns to finish and then I finished those. Uh, I have another one to do, but I needed to take a break. Like I can't do the same thing, especially nonfiction. Those are, you know, my, my column is a craft column essentially. And, uh, so I worked, I did two in a row. I need to do a third one because we're trying to stack them. But I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm at a loss. And so the thing is, I have this unexpected time and I don't know when it's going to end. Like as soon as I get the feedback, I will start back on my plan for the new project. Um, in two weeks or so, I will start on the revision of the heist if it takes two weeks to get the feedback, like it's not enough time to start something new. And I can't really start anything new because I've committed myself to the things that I'm doing. And so I was like, I could do a short story maybe. Um, I don't know. I thought today I could look at some of my unfinished manuscripts and maybe plan their revision for some unknown point in the future. I already know that, you know, anything I haven't finished up until now would be a complete rewrite. So, but I was just thinking about, I had an idea of one of them and I had started writing it as a YA novel. And then I decided I don't want to be a, a YA novelist. Um, I just don't see that for myself. Maybe sometime I'll change my mind, but right now I don't want anything to do with YA. I've enjoyed reading YA in the past. I don't read a lot of it now, but as a writer, it's just not what I want to be doing. So I was thinking changing that story like drastically, like keeping the bones of it, but whereas the characters were teenagers, um, changing their ages drastically, doing something. But, you know, all anything that I would do with that would be months and months of work. And so I can conceive of it. I can start the kernel in my mind and 
at that point in the future when I have a big block of time and want to focus on it, I can do that. But yeah, a short story makes the most sense. I don't have any burning short story ideas. Like I've got, I want to do eventually a collection of fairy stories. And so I want to be writing those, but I don't have that spark, that inspiration, that idea, the image, the vision in my mind, whatever the thing is that starts you off on something. It hasn't come and I don't necessarily want to cultivate it because in X number of days, I'll have to refocus on these other things. So I decided I would just do some free writing. I've talked about 750words.com before here. It's a, a website for doing morning pages for free writing. Um, it is paid now. It's like $5 a month. It used to be free. So I'm grandfathered in, but there is another sort of similar site from FreeWrite, the people who make the writing machines, the distraction free writing machines, which I have too. So sprinter.getfreewrite.com is the site and it is just a blank page. And it says that there's like a timer in the top says spend the next 15 minutes writing or something. And I haven't actually used it other than loading it up. So I don't know if you can change the timer or what. Um, 750 words for me is about 15, 20 minutes if I'm just free writing. So they're very similar sites. And the, the Sprinter site is actually free. Once you type something, you can log in or create a login and save it. And um, so what I'm doing on 750words.com, I started it today. I was just like, I'll see if I can do a streak. Because in days past... In days of yore, I, I've done like 30-day streaks. I don't think I've gotten much more than 60 days in a row because inevitably something will happen and I'll forget a day. I'm like, ah. But um, do a streak of writing at least 750 words. Stream of consciousness. Uh, so I just started a story, like a kernel of an idea that I have in my mind, but it's not a real idea. And it probably won't be anything. Like, I don't know what it is. But periods of my life, I've really enjoyed using that site. And it's, you know, both of them are very similar. They're just sort of blank screens where you just type in like monotype cursiva or some sort of serif, uh, what's that called? Monospace font, like a typewriter style font. And that might be what I do. Maybe I'll just free write, you know, just follow these ideas in my head. Like I had sort of a dream wasn't exactly a dream. It was like a, like when I go to bed, I usually have a story running in my head. And this is a story that I've been trying to start, but I, I don't know the, I don't know where it starts. So that's kind of the best way I can describe it. And so I decided to write it down. And I don't know if it'll become anything. Um, my friend was like, oh, maybe you could do a short story for your newsletter or serialize something. And maybe, I mean, to become something, but it's also really nice and freeing to explore and as much as I don't like uncertainty, like I like knowing what I'm doing and planning it and scheduling it and having my deadlines, um, the uncertainty, if you embrace it, can be freeing. And I have really enjoyed, you know, over many years of using this website, I, I could look at my archives and I exported them and reread them every couple of years, you know, to see what I was doing. And it's really interesting. There's just like little snapshots, like a thousand words here or there, something that could become a whole story. And I don't, years later, I don't remember anything about what they were. Some of them became short stories. Some of them became Cupid Guild um, and and other things, but most of them don't, you know? And that's cool too. Like, it's fine. 
it's exercising the muscle for this period of time when I don't want to start anything new, really. I don't think I have time to focus on a short story unless I find something that grabs me and then I can make the time, you know? That's kind of how it works. So that's what I'm doing for my writing. It's weird because there are these these moments where where you are waiting to hear back on something, you're waiting for feedback, you're waiting for edits, and you've got pockets of time and you have to figure out what to do with them. Like this is not the first time this has happened, definitely. It's just uh, sometimes you know they're going to happen and you can plan to fill them with something. And it, and sometimes even when you know they're going to happen, it's not enough time to know what to fill it with, you know? So I don't know. It's I could use it to read or fill the well, I guess. My fear is that if I don't sit down and keep the appointment and keep writing something, that it will be harder when I have to get back into it. You know, whenever you take time off of a habit, it's harder to start up again, at least for me. So I want to keep doing something. I want to keep putting words down and flexing the muscle. So yeah, for right now, I'm just going to free write, <laughs> stream of consciousness, morning pages. I don't, I don't really do morning pages in the way that the artist's way, the book by Julia Cameron, um, that is so very well known, indicates. And I certainly don't do them by hand. <laughs> Because that would be madness, and my hand would not hold it. I did want to talk about the Snyder Cut of Justice League, which I actually watched whatever the day it was that it came out. We watched it. Four hours. Better than the first, the original version, but it brought home... Like, the first thing my husband said after we finished was like... Or maybe he said it while we were watching it. He was like, you know, he really needed an editor. And then after I finished watching it, I immediately went and looked up articles and interviews with him. And at one point he said, like, the original cut, I think, was three and a half hours. And when he got the okay and got the additional money to redo it for um, HBO Max, I guess it was, he was like, oh, well, why don't I, I add some more? Because I think the quote was, was something like, people are fine binging for one-hour episodes of a show. So a four-hour movie shouldn't be a big deal. Why should I have to censor myself? And yes, like we physically can be in our homes and watch four hours of something. And I enjoyed it. You know, I did. It was long, but I enjoyed it. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't edit yourself. And editing yourself is different than censoring yourself. And showing restraint is necessary in art. Like I talk about having boundaries is necessary. Like if I have a word count, a deadline, um, something that is a boundary that that creates a sense of restraint, I think you have a better product. You know, the best thing that ever happened to Steven Spielberg in Jaws when he was shooting that was that the, you know, the creature, the, the, the shark didn't work. And so we had to film around it. And I'm sure at the time it was a huge debacle. And I think they went like way over budget, if I'm remembering correctly. But Jaws wouldn't be Jaws if you saw that shark the way that he had originally intended, right? You have these boundaries, constraints that make things better. You know, look at um, Blair Witch Project or Paranormal Activities, these movies with these shoestring budgets that exploded because the boundaries just helped. People like Christopher Nolan, I think, need more boundaries. Like, I watched Tenet. Someone needed some restraint and some editing and some someone to reel them in. Like you can have a, a really and I think Christopher Nolan is a genius. I think his mind works in just very interesting ways, but 
everybody needs to be reeled in sometimes, especially artists. And I was thinking about this because on one of the panels that I was on this week, um, I think I was I was the only one who's currently traditionally published on the panel. The other three uh, authors are self-published, um, and one of them had been traditionally published, or one or more of them had been. And, uh, you know, I don't feel like I need to defend traditional publishing. It's sometimes the two worlds can be in, in conflict. The people who love self-publishing, generally people who are extremely successful and make a lot of money off of it, uh, often are very negative about traditional publishing. And I don't see so much in traditional, like traditional published authors downing self-published authors. Mostly it's like, I don't want to do all that work. You know, it's like, it's not right for my personality. It's not right for my, my budget, my pocketbook. And I don't want to do all that work. But I was making a point about editors because we had a question about editing and, you know, distinguishing the different types of editing, developmental, um, copy edits, line edits, proofreading. And then into the traditional world, you have that, but you also have, it's coming from your acquiring editor. So there's the acquiring editor who buys your book, who like is the advocate at the publishing house. Um, and so you work with them and generally they're your developmental editor. If you have developmental edits, sometimes they're your line editor. Um, sometimes you don't have line editor. Like I, I haven't been line edited with my traditionally published books as of yet, but you have a copy editor and there's the various proofreaders. When I first started self-publishing, when I was doing my research, as I was writing Song of Blood and Stone, um, and I was looking for editors to hire, my kind of fear was that someone that I hire, that I pay, are they going to be as honest with me because I'm paying them? And I think it was J.L. Laura, the author who, who mentioned that too. She had gone through an editor who was just like, oh, everything's great. It's wonderful. And, uh, in, it, you know, the various jobs in publishing, because it's collaborative and nobody is anybody's boss per se, you're working together, but there are, there's agendas that you can't deny. And an agenda is not, I'm not using that pejoratively. It's like my agent. My agent works with me. She makes money when I make money. She doesn't work for me necessarily. And I don't work for her. You know, we have the relationship where and I, I love my agent. I do. Uh, I think she's great. But I also know that she has to both work with me and maintain positive relationships with the publishing houses and the editors for her to do her job for her other clients. So those alliances, yes, she's allied to me because she makes her income off of my income, but she can't have an antagonistic relationship with an editor because she will never get another book published with that editor. And she has 49 other clients, right? So in the same way that my acquiring editor at a publishing house, like I don't work for her, even though she's technically paying me kind of, but we're collaborating. But at the end of the day, she could say, this book's not getting published anymore, right? And so it's like an interesting relationship there. Um, and then an editor, a self-published editor, or an editor that you use for self-publishing that you hire and pay, you're hoping that they're going to be honest with the feedback. And um, like, I want them to be as honest as possible. I want like all the editing you can give me. But I can imagine a situation where an author 
is not happy with the feedback and maybe doesn't use them again. And so then an editor is in a position where, oh, I gave them all the feedback, but it hurt their feelings or they couldn't take it or they were mad about it or whatever. And now I don't have a client anymore. So maybe I give less feedback so I can keep my relationships with clients. If I was an editor, that would certainly be on my mind, right? Um, so there's all these interesting layered relationships all in every part of publishing that I think about. And I, I've always been happy with my editor that I use for self-publishing. I recommend her, um, Danielle at Double Vision Editorial, if anyone is interested. She's high compliance like I am, and I love it. <laughs> she will mark up everything. And I don't take all of her suggestions. And, you know, you should, I don't think you should ever take 100% of an editor's suggestions. It's very unlikely that 100% of them will be right for the book. But I like seeing what she thinks, even if I disagree. And I can make that choice. And that kind of lets me know that someone out there will probably have the same reaction to the book if I'm, if I'm not keeping, like if I'm not following her suggestions, if I decide to leave it in. But at least I know. And I've gotten that other perspective. And I don't remember what I actually said on the panel, but I was just trying to create that distinction that there's different kinds of relationships and be aware of that regardless of what path you choose. I can certainly... Uh, not accept all of my acquiring editor's suggestions. And, um, you know, at my my name is on the book at the end of the day, and I have to stand by everything that's in there. Uh, and so you balance that with, you know, wanting to, to create the best story and have ownership of your work and be proud of it and be proud of it. And also be professional and easy to work with and have a good reputation. So yeah, just... Some things I was thinking about this week about publishing and writing. So my goals for this week. I don't have any. <laughs> okay, I've got to have some goals. I want to have a streak on 750words.com. I wonder if they have a similar thing on the Sprinter site. So if anyone tries it, let me know if they have a way for you to have to keep track of your daily writing and see if you do it every day and have streaks. What I like about 750 words is that you get little badges for your streaks, and I'm hoping to get another badge. I don't know how long a streak. I don't know if I want to put it out there, and then because I don't, I don't think I'm going to do a 30 day streak. How about a seven day streak? Let's keep our goals smart. You know, um, I don't know what smart stands for, but one of the, the M stands for measurable. So let's keep it measurable. Seven day streak. When I talk to you next week, I hope to have good news <laughs> to report about my streak. And we will see what else falls into place and what other, when I can redo my schedule again. And um, yeah, how long this this period of exploration and freedom it is nice, but it will drive me crazy <laughs> if it doesn't end soon. So we shall see. Uh, but I will talk to you next week and give you an update. And I hope you have a wonderful week. For episode show notes and to get the footnotes newsletter and get show notes in your inbox, go to myimaginaryfriendsshow.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and check out the video episodes on YouTube. I would really appreciate a rating or review to help support the show. And My Imaginary Friends is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. For more fantastic podcasts, go to frolic.media slash podcasts.